Hacks is back for season three, and so is the official Hacks podcast. In each episode, Hacks creators Lucia Agnello, Paul W. Downs, and Jen Statsky speak with cast and crew members to unpack the Emmy-winning comedy series. You'll hear Hannah Einbinder and Gene Smart speak to their on-screen dynamic, along with stories from the show's writer's room, on-set antics, and creating the world that Deborah and Ava inhabit. Watch Hacks, streaming exclusively on Max, and listen to the official Hacks podcast on Max or wherever you get your podcasts. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Hi, I'm Vanessa Bayer, and this is my brother, Jonah. We're two siblings who love to talk about our childhood and nostalgia and how it shaped us into the people we are today. Who are pretty full of joie de vivre, if I do say so myself. Welcome to How Did We Get Weird. You know, Jonah, I just received a text from my good friend, Jenny Binstock, and she was at LACMA, this art museum here in LA, and she saw this Picasso painting and she texted me a picture of it. And she was like, does Jonah know that he looks exactly like the person in this painting? And I said, he sure does. In fact, he's used this painting and versions of this painting as his profile pics on social media before. Jonah, do you know what I'm talking about? I do, yeah. So I found this painting a while ago, and I'm going to put it in the chat so our guests can see it as well. I think it's like a quite famous Picasso painting from his blue period. Uh-huh. This guy's name is Sebastian Joyner Vidal. I'm probably mispronouncing it, but he was another painter who was friends with Picasso. And I guess Picasso painted him a lot, and there's a lot of photos of him and he has like the exact same mustache as me, <laughs> the same facial structure. Yes. It's very bizarre. There's one called Portrait of Sebastian Junior Vidal. We're probably really butchering the name. And that one, and he's sitting and it looks so much like you. And then you've shown me now like that there's so many different <laughs> There's a bunch. Paintings. Yeah. And sketches. You sent me a sketch of him as a matador. Yeah, there's one of a matador. You know, it's interesting because I feel like sometimes people be like, oh, you look like this person and it's just like another guy with a mustache. I'm like, right. well, that doesn't really look like me. We have the same kind of facial hair, but this guy really looks like me. He really does look like you, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and you found a little bit of a synopsis of like this very famous painting from his blue period called um, Portrait of this guy's name, Sebastian Junior Vidal. And it says he's clearly identified in Picasso's painting due to his distinguishing frizzy hair, large forehead and mustache. And then it says more information about him and how he and Picasso became friends. But you texted me and said, hmm, 
Large forehead seems a bit rude. And I would agree. Yeah, I don't really see the large forehead. Yeah. Personally. And I don't think you have a large forehead, Jonah. No, I don't think so either. But maybe I'm just too close to it. But yeah, have you ever found anyone from historically you feel like has looked like you? Because most of the time when someone says someone looks like you, like a celebrity or something, you're it's like usually not flattering, I feel like in my case. Do you? Like I've gotten Paul Giamatti before. That's not exactly the look I'm going for. <laughs> right. Right. Do you have any historical people you've looked like? When I first got to college freshman year, so many people told me I look like Sigourney Weaver. Interesting. And I didn't quite know how... I think she's beautiful, but I don't really see... That's the thing. If you have curly hair, people kind of think you look like other people with curly hair. If you'll recall when I was little and I had short curly hair, people would always say I looked like either Shirley Temple or... Orphan Annie. And actually, facially, I don't think I really look like either of them, but I just had the same hair as them. Yeah. So there you go. There it is. What's that? I said, there it is. Like, whoomp, there it is. Got it. <laughs> well, maybe our, our guests can kind of weigh on this as well. <laughs> We're so excited to have today's guest. He's a writer and musician, best known as being the lead singer guitarist for Coheed and Cambria, also created the comic book series, the Armory Wars, and so much more. Let's give it up for Claudio Sanchez. Hey, Claudio, how's it going? Hi, how are you? First of all, do you think I look like this Picasso character? Absolutely. <laughs> Because you're like you're like a real artist too. So I'm curious, have you ever found like any historical renderings of people that people are like, oh Claudio, this looks like you? Because you have kind of a distinctive look as well. Mm, I you know, uh I'm sure someone has said something in the past, but nothing I can't really recall yeah. anything off the top of my head. I mean, yeah. When you're doing comics, do you like reference people you know in real life as far as like drawing characters? Cause that's sort of like making art as well, kind of out of life, I guess. Absolutely. You know, this last book I, I'm actually releasing, it's called My Brother's Blood Machine, and it's a, a horror comic, and it takes place in the 60s. And when communicating with Andrew Ritchie, the artist, I threw out the idea of musicians of the time sort of being the cast, you know, like whatever age, like certain, you know, certain characters or teenagers. So the teenage version of Joni Mitchell, the teenage version of Jim Morrison, and then there's another fella in it called Moses Early. And I thought, you know, he's a much older fella. So what would have Jimi Hendrix looked like had he been like 74 years old or something like that? So in that particular instance, you know, that story, that was a big part of casting the characters. But, you know, in the past, like I think of, you know, this is a, a nostalgia podcast, right? So Coheed and Cambria, for example, when I first started creating that comic in 2004, the references for those characters were Bo and Hope of Days of Our Lives. Whoa. And also of the Amityville Horror, James Brolin, and I forget the female, I, I believe she, the actress played Superman, Lois Lane. So those were like my references because they reminded me of younger versions of my parents, you know, like, uh, wow. you know, when I see pictures of my parents getting married, I was like, oh, as a kid watching Days of Our Lives, it was like, oh, wow, like they remind me of those are the characters that I'm going to follow, you know, if I was home from school or something, you know, Bo and Hope. Oh, they're my mom and dad, you know, so that kind of stuff. Wow. Did you watch any other soaps? I'm just curious. That was the one. I mean, for, you know, and just, you know, when I was home from school, you know, I just remember like, you know, sands through the hourglass, so are the days of our lives, like that kind of stuff. Right. Those sorts of things would get ingrained in my head, you know, watching a lot of TV. And Yeah. What were you kind of like at that age? Did you grow up in Nyack or where did you grow up? My young, at like in the 80s, I lived in a town called Havistraw that was just north of Nyack, you know, and so at that time, you know, I, I my memories of, of, that, of that time in my life were like G.I. Joe figures. I remember stealing a snake eyes on the uh, playground. That was a big Whoa. moment for me because it was hard to find snake eyes. You couldn't find snake eyes anywhere. So it was like, I remember stealing snake eyes. I was a real asshole. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but I was like, there's no way to get this character and it's sitting here in the dirt and no one's going to claim it. I'm taking it. But the other was Nintendo. Like, I remember, like, walking to school. And by the way, like, I think back now and I'm like, man, my parents shouldn't have let us walk walk to school alone. Because it was my brother and myself, and I believe I was in third grade or second, and he was in kindergarten. And we were walking Whoa. to school alone. But we would stop at a friend's house because he had just acquired a Nintendo, and he had got the deluxe system. So it was, sorry if I'm rambling. I don't get to talk about this stuff no, all please, that often. So please, I'm just like, this is what it's all about. So he had just received the deluxe Nintendo Entertainment System, which came with Rob and, and Gyromite. Are you guys familiar with that at all? No, I mean, we had the classic kind of bundle with 
Mario Brothers Duck Hunt and the the gun. So the Nintendo adv- now that advantage was the controller. So it was just okay. I got the action pack or something like that. But okay, I'm um, not familiar with this version. This one had been a little more deluxe than than our style. Right. So deluxe came with Rob the robot, and Rob would participate in the game Gyromite. So you were like this mad scientist that was running around this level, and. Once in a while, you'd come across a barrier that was either like red or blue. And Rob, registering it off of your television set, would know that and would grab like the red top because it was just like this spinning top, basically. And he would drop it on like these red or blue buttons and he would assist you through the game. And I just remember being like, wow, that's so fucking sick. Not saying that as a kid, but you know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, those are the memories I have of like myself and my brother walking to school and stopping off at our friend's house, you know, in the morning. How long was the walk? How far was the walk, do you think? It was, you know, I just revisited the house. It was kind of long for our age. Yeah. When I think about it, you know. But yeah, you know, but we did it. My dad worked nights. So, you know, it's just what we, I guess, had to do. It wasn't far, like, inter- you know, it was close enough that a bus wasn't appointed to our location. So, got it. You know, I look, think about it and I'm like, man, it's almost kind of the distance I would have walked if I had to for to high school, you know? So Right. Is it interesting for you as a parent now to think about like telling oh, your man. kids like, oh just go go walk <laughs> like at yeah. that age. He walks nowhere alone. <laughs> <laughs> it's just crazy. <laughs> Wait, so uh, just so I can be clear, would you play video games in the morning on the way to school? Yeah, we'd stop off and we'd play. It was, uh, How much time are you leaving yourself? Because that seems like a dangerous thing. Well yeah, well we would get there, you know So long as, like, our friend and his mother were cool with it, we would get there and we'd play for a little bit, and then she would drive us to school. But if it wasn't the case, then we would walk. Right. Got it. But yeah, so we would walk across the field, which I think it was a middle school field that they had lived across the street from. And so we'd get there, and we'd play for a little while. Like, at the time, it was Gyromite was the game. Kung Fu was the other one. Yeah. I think he had Rygar. And these were just like, you know, at the time, right, Nintendo was impossible to acquire. I think we had like an Atari, not even a 2600, but like a 5800. You know, it was just impossible to acquire a Nintendo and the fever of that thing at the time. It was like, you know, if you had a chance to play it, you did, you know, and that was our our opportunity to to play it every day, I guess, was stopping at his house. Yeah, we hit famously, we talked about a lot in this podcast. Famously. We won a Nintendo at a raffle at our temple when we were kids. Oh, yeah. Wow. And our parents wouldn't buy us one. And we won it, and then we were like, we won this, We can we have it? And they were ha- sort of had to let us keep it. Oh, it was right incredible. On. We got 10 tickets for $10, and we won a Nintendo. A huge debate was deciding if we wanted to put it towards a Nintendo or the CD changer. Oh, oh right. Like a shuffler? There was a shuffler, and I can't remember if it was yeah. like 12 or 20, but it was like, oh my God, both of these things would be incredible. Where? <laughs> yeah. What should we do? We only had, yeah. And just to kind of paint a little bit of a, a picture for you, Claudio, this is a Purim carnival, we were at at our temple. So I think we're dressed up as Queen Esther, Haman. (laughs) Who else are the, those are like the major players. Those are the only two I can remember. I feel like there's someone that Queen Esther married who's like a good guy, right? And Haman's the bad guy. I just remember those cookies. Well, Hamantaschen, which are based on Haman's three-cornered hat, which is like, uh, how many corners do most hats have? <laughs> <laughs> really good point, Vanessa. <laughs> Not to take anything away from Hummintoshin. Go ahead, Jonah. <laughs> so, Claudia, were you like, when you were in high school, I think like most people would maybe assume you were really into like Rush or like a lot of progressive music, like as a kid, like were you into that stuff or, or not really? What, what, what kind of like music were you into kind of when you were like a teenager? Uh, you know, I was into like, you know, everything, but yeah, it wasn't much of a, as far as progressive went, I mean, Jethro Tull, because my father listened to it. But, you know, growing up in high school, I mean, grunge was like a thing that was happening, metal, anything sort of contemporary rock I was pretty much into. But of course, grew up with the stuff that my mom and dad listened to, which were extremely polar opposites, where she was more of a into pop music and my dad was more into like blues and jazz and classic rock and Latin music. And But yeah, it wasn't until like, until I went to see Pink Floyd in 94 that I got, I really sort of got into conceptual music. Okay. You know, that's like when it was like, oh, wow. Like I, you know, I think that was probably a bit of that moment in time may have had something to do with the nucleus of like what I would do with my life, you know. What are some other kind of like, we were talking in the podcast recently with someone I was talking about seeing 
Green Day on like the Dookie Tour in 94, that being like a big... I saw that. You saw that? Yeah, I mean, where did you see that show? I think Madison Square Garden. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, I mean, were there any other shows from that era that really like stand out to you from like those kind of formative years? The Lollapalooza festivals, particularly when Rage Against the Machine opened the festival. I don't think ever in my life had I been a part of like an energy like that you know, standing there waiting to see them, knowing that first record was out, the songs were the songs. And then all of a sudden they hit the stage and like, you know, I think it was Randall's Island they were they were playing at. And uh, the entire crowd like starts jumping like maniacally and the dust starts getting kicked up and I start to realize, oh shit, I might die in here. I got to go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah, yeah, That kind of stuff. That was one, you know, Beasties at Madison Square Garden. You know, uh, there's a, like a lot of, a lot of stuff. It's like hard to remember. Black Sabbath at the at the Beacon Theater with Dio fronting them. Wow. So how would you get to these shows as a kid? Like, how would you get into the city? Right. Well, that show in particular, that was the first show I'd ever gone to. So my friend Patrick and I, his mother actually drew, drove us in. Oh, wow. You know, yeah, we were just about to get into high school, I think, at that time. Like Pink Floyd in 94, we went with his sister. Oh, my God. I remember I remember before that show, I remember, like, I, I hadn't listened to a Pink Floyd record ever. And, uh, and I thought, oh, well, you know, well, I hear that, you know, if you go to a Pink Floyd show, you're supposed to do acid. I'll, you know what? Can we figure out how to get acid? I never did acid in my life. <laughs> you know, I'm like, let's figure out how to get acid. I'll take two of them, you know. <laughs> thank God. I mean, thank God my friend's sister had way more sense and got us nothing. Yeah. Because, you know, sitting there and watching that show was enough to be, like, inspiring and set my mind adrift. So who knows? I would probably not be here, actually. <laughs> Well, it's interesting because, like, I was really into, like, punk, like, Dead Kennedys, Black Flag, like, all that kind of stuff. And so I thought, like, Pink Floyd, this is, like, for hippie. Like, I was very closed off as to what I would listen to. You really were. Don't, you you couldn't bring up fish to Jonah or he would flip (laughs) out. I might flip out. No. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I had a lot of friends who liked fish. And I remember being like, Sorry, guys. It sucks. Like, I remember just, like, taking on Jonah's, like, disdain for, like, <laughs> I mean, all I just, that You stuff. know, it's, like, interesting. Yeah, at that age, sometimes... And it's, like, obviously, Claudio, you're sort of, like, you know, on Equal Vision for a long time, Warped Tour, like, part of that world. But it's interesting. It doesn't seem like you had the same, maybe closed off view as maybe I did or maybe some other people did of that era. Yeah, you know, funny, my introduction to punk is kind of interesting because the first band that I played in in high school, in middle school, middle school, high school, I was like 13, 14 years old, we would rehearse in the basement of a friend's house whose father was also a musician, but knew somebody that worked at the manufacturer, like the duplication plant of like Caroline Records. So this is how I kind of learned how to write songs. We would find copies of Legacy of Brutality on tape, Naked Reagan, Gay Bikers on Acid. And like, I would take these and I would take them home and not knowing the material, like started to understand song structure and then would, I mean, Legacy of Brutality, I mean, was probably one of my favorite compilations of Misfits songs because I learned so much from it. And so that was like kind of the beginning of my understanding of writing music. But that was my, you know, introduction to punk music because it was like on the walls in the place we had rehearsed. I think because my parents were so very different in the stuff that they consumed, you know, my mom would like listen to Taylor Dane in the front seat and I'd hear her singing like it, you know, and then I would like sing it in the front seat and Michael Jackson, Madonna. Like some of my favorite moments are sitting in front of the TV watching like, you know, the Beat It video or Madonna's Material Girl, you know, those are the moments that I remember to me, like, you know, and, and, and I think being a part of that made me not necessarily want to be a singer, but it, in a weird way, sort of trained me to kind of think maybe I had the confidence to be at one time, in, at some time in my life. Were you watching it with your mom? No, just probably watching it. By yourself, yeah. Yeah, but most of the time it was listening to the music in the car, yeah, you know, driving yeah, with yeah. her. And then my dad's side was, you know, it was like Hendrix and Sting and, you know, then we get like Spira Gyra and what's that, Bella Fleck and the Flecktones and then, it, you know, Reuben Blades. It was like all over the place. But like one of my favorite songs of all time is probably Englishman in New York by Sting because he listened to it so much. Like my siblings and I, like whenever that song comes on, it's a teleporter. It brings us right back to like 
our father in the in the car, you know. That's how I feel with our dad about AM sports radio. Uh-huh. <laughs> really, <laughs> brings me back. And he used to call in a lot. Yeah, oh, our dad really? used to call in and get on the show because he lot. kind of had like aspirations when he was younger to be like a radio personality. So he would call in a lot. And then once when I first got on SNL, and he might have truly organized it, but I had some kind of interview with a local Cleveland AM radio station. Jonah, I don't know if you know know about this. He called in too. So it was like me and my dad kind of on this show. And I had, we set it up somehow so that our dad did like his impressions on this AM radio show. <laughs> his impressions of who? Of- like, I think he does some like impressions impersonations you know he does impersonations i there's a real early newscaster that he does cronkite or something yeah like i think he did a cronkite impression i'll have to find that he did a couple other impressions yeah yeah i know we talk a lot about our dad thinking you know i like to support it being the first todd he also is quite a ham i don't know if people know that he's among his friends you know the guy doing impressions and stuff like that so he got to do them on am radio very full circle we'll try to find it for you claudio we'll try to send it oh right on (laughs) all right we're gonna take a quick break and we'll be right back with claudio sanchez hacks is back for season three and so is the official hacks podcast in each episode hacks creators lucia and yellow paul w downs and jen stadsky speak with cast and crew members to unpack the emmy-winning comedy series You'll hear Hannah Einbinder and Jean Smart speak to their on-screen dynamic, along with Hacks writer and actor Pat Regan, on how their improv experience helped them when shooting scenes and what it was like writing scripts for specific actors. You'll also hear from crew members like the costume designers on what it was like creating the world that Deborah and Ava inhabit. Hear stories from the show's writer's room, on-set antics, and more. Watch Hacks streaming exclusively on Max and listen to the official Hacks podcast on Max or wherever you get your podcasts. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do, too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. And we're back. Claudio, I had a question for you and something I've never asked you and I've wondered about for so long. I remember when I was in college, early 2000s, I went to school in Ithaca, and I remember a rumor that this band on EVR, Coheed and Cambria, was playing a show at the Teen Center there. Did you ever play a show at a teen center in Ithaca, New York, like 20 years ago? Do you not remember that at all? Probably. I I don't remember very much. (laughs) 
<laughs> it was a long time ago, but I remember it being weird that a band on an actual label was playing this team right, center. Right. Oh, right. Yeah, no, we would play some wild stuff. Like, you know, that's funny because before we signed to Equal Vision, I mean, all we could play were teen centers, you know, community centers, things like that. But once we got signed to EVR, you know, we found that some of the routing would take us to community centers, you know, like it, it happened. So I can't imagine we didn't. Is that a thing that happens with bands now, like younger bands, do you think? Or is that just a thing that you, because I don't hear about it, but I also wonder if I'm just too old to know about what goes on. What, like having to get in a van and and grind it out? <laughs> like do bands play at like a community centers, like on like their tour route routings and stuff? I don't know. I don't know if that that is a thing anymore. Yeah, I'm definitely disconnected from that era of what we do and how it happens now. You know, it's so wild when I think of like, like I think of then, and not that this is, uh, maybe this is just a generalization, but like, you know, I think of then and I think of the only way to do what we did was by really getting in there and sweating it out, getting in the van, going. And, but now I feel like there is an opportunity to stay at home and get and create that level of, you know, with all the social sort of aspects of, you know, the world now. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure they do. I'm sure they do. They have to. You know, you want to go out there and you want to put yourself in front of people and you want to share that energy. And that's, I think, what sells it. Now, speaking of energy, I have a question for you, Claudia. Have you ever met Bobby Moynihan? Because I think you guys have almost the same exact voice. <laughs> Truly, same accent. I think you also both have like a very nice energy. I don't know if you've ever met him, but in some ways... You guys sound so much alike. I need to know what this is now. It's the first thing I thought of when we started talking. Bobby Moynihan, he's an actor, comedian from SNL and many other things. At some point, you two have to meet. It's really uncanny. Claudia, have you ever done any sort of comedy crossover stuff in your career? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. It's funny. I tried. Well, not funny because I'm not funny. But, um, you know, I started like a Twitch channel and... Uh, you know, I thought it would be a good way to exercise my engaging with an audience because that seems to be like the one thing that I really have a hard time with still now doing this 20 years in my life, like, you know, engaging an audience. Like, you know, we always curate Coheed sets to like have no like downtime, like just put a segue in there. So as little uh, banter as possible. So I thought, you know, through the pandemic, I was like, maybe I'll start like a Twitch thing. And then, you know, I could try to get a chemistry, like a flow happening. And man, I am not good at it. <laughs> so. What is, can you explain what, like, what do you do? on? Because I, well, like, Taryn had a someone. Twitch channel for a, a while and he played video games and I went on it once and it was one of those video games where it was like really involved and I'm just standing against the wall moving slightly side to side <laughs> because I didn't know how to <laughs> and squatting a ton. <laughs> squatting. Yeah, that's that sounds like a the interesting game. Claudia, what do you do? Like what like when you get on Twitch, are you just like, hey, guys, what's up? Or like, hey, <laughs> no, what I do is, so it's a variety of things. So yeah, I'll play games, but accompanying the games, I'll set up like, say, a drum machine and a looper pedal and sort of create a piece of music in that moment, but try to continue to do that as I play the game. So like, like do this multitasking of like creating a song or, you know, while playing the game, that kind of stuff. Or you know, of recent, what I've been doing is I've been sharing my screen and, and showing like sort of the creative process of like, you know, putting together a song, um, you know, in Pro Tools or something like that. I just came up with a joke about Twitch. Do you guys want to hear it? Okay. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, you, you could subscribe to Twitch and watch a bunch of people playing video games, or you could just get an older brother. <laughs> That's a really good one. Because when we were growing up, Jonah kind of would play video games and I'd just have to watch and he'd be like, your turn is next, but it never really would come. But <laughs> right. I think that's the case with a lot of older brothers. That's why the joke goes, or you could just get an older brother. <laughs> really good, Vanessa. Save that one. Do you have any stand-up gigs coming up? Probably not. Not at the moment, but I am around if people want to book me. <laughs> <go through mine. laughs> so Claudio, we really want to get into your topic. You sent us so many great ideas and we did a lot of research on what we wanted to talk about with you, which was something I'm guessing you've never done any interviews about before, potato skins. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Potato skins. What are your memories of potato skins? Potato skins got baked potato appeal because they're made with potatoes and skins that are real. That's about it. That's, that's it. Is the, the jingle. 
<laughs> that song has been in my head for the last 30 years. Oh, right on. We've talked about that before. Potato skins. Potato skins have come back, I guess. Like they've been, re- we go get Making it. a comeback. <laughs> well, TGIF, does that restaurant chain still exist? I don't know, but yes. Thank I'm- goodness it's Friday. It does. It does. Claudia, did you ever go to TGIF growing up? I don't think we went to TGIF. I think the only restaurant we ever frequented was Bennigan's as children. Yes, I know that TGIF bought tato skins and you can find them in airports across the United States. Yes, very country. You know, I I had a really awkward situation happen at it. Thank goodness it's Fridays growing up. I don't know if you can really anyone can relate to this. I hate like being the center of attention. I like with like birthday stuff, especially as a kid, it made me really uncomfortable. And I went there once and I was with my friends and someone told them it was my birthday (laughs) and so they like started coming over singing this song this is like my yeah they make a huge deal out of birthdays there (laughs) so i said it's not my birthday and they're like okay and then i got up my id i was like no seriously it's not my birthday (laughs) and they were so bummed they're like uh like we're like they were like mad and my friends were like why wouldn't you just go with it and then i felt like i looked like the bad guy but i was like i didn't ask for this i didn't know that happened to you i'm so sorry how old were you yeah i haven't thought about in a while it's not a topic that comes up a lot but uh that's my only memory of that restaurant do you remember how old you were i think i was old enough to have an id so i want to say i was probably like 16 maybe or something oh but yeah so tato skins tjf claims that they came up with the potato skin in 1974 yeah it's really interesting a few restaurants claim ownership for this for example this article says depending on who you ask three Different restaurants are credited with giving birth to the appetizer back in the early 70s. Whoa, one of these is my favorite restaurant. Oh, no, it's not. It's not. The Prime Rib Restaurant in Washington. What's the one? Mountain Jack's is my favorite restaurant. They serve Prime Rib, but they're not called the Prime Rib Restaurant. I'm so sorry. The Prime Rib Restaurant in Washington, D.C., R.J. Grunts in Chicago, and Mass Market Land of Frozen Mudslides and Jack Daniels Ribs, TGI Fridays. Yeah, so they all claim it. You know, TJF says, as legend has it, one of our cooks was making, this is a quote from an article, one of our cooks was making mashed potatoes in the back of the house and decided to drop in the potatoes in the fryer. When it came out, he threw our proprietary fry seasoning on it, which I'm guessing is salt and pepper. Just random. <laughs> Added cheddar, smoked bacon, the rest they say is history, says Matt Durbin, the chain's vice president of concept development. Okay. Okay. He's kind of acting like it's like a Marie Curie thing where it happened by accident, <laughs> but it seems like he very purposely, as legend had it, one of our cooks was making mashed potatoes and decided to put the potatoes in the fryer and then add all this stuff to it. It's like, yeah, he just made them. What's the legend behind it? <laughs> like, <laughs> it sounds oddly like the chimichanga birth. Am I wrong in that? Like the burrito drops in the fryer and... Sure. This says the guy decided to drop it in the fryer. I just want to say that doesn't feel like... Okay, go ahead, Jonah. Sorry. What's weird about it to me is I don't know how long potatoes have been around. I assume a very long time. It's just like a part of the potato, right? Like it's like... Yeah. It's like an... You can't invent like an apple skin. Like I know they're frying it. It's the way they're preparing it. But it also seems like... Yeah. It's already been there for thousands of years. It's like saying you invented like sliced apple. Right. (laughs) You're like, well, you could... And this says that they were invented in the middle of the 20th century potato skins after a restaurant tour learned that sailors were eating vitamin heavy potato skins to stave off illnesses. Now, what do you mean invented in the that seems like it's why people started eating potatoes, but not potato skin. Like, it feels like all these articles are trying to really like make potato skins so legendary, where it's, it's just a recipe with potatoes, right? Sure. Not to take away. Claudio, here's my question to you. Like, were you going to TGI Fridays getting potato skins or Bennigan's or were you, did you ever have like the bag like from the song? Like that was like a snack you'd bring to school. That was it. The bag. For me, it's like, you know, I thought it was just a a potato chip variety. But, you know, as a kid, when I would eat like potatoes, like I ate the skin and I feel like my siblings were probably like, that's disgusting. But I would, and I got down with it. And But then I also really liked, I don't know, I found those chips. And those and like Pringles, for some reason, as a kid in the 80s, were like my jam. And then the Keebler Elves made the Oh Boy 
Oh, Boise's. Yep. Right? And I feel like that was their uh, sort of attempt at, like, making a tater skin. Yeah. I really remember, for us, you know, there were those variety packs from Frito-Lay that were, like, Ruffles, Cheetos, Fritos. Right. Doritos. Those were, like, those are, like, really tiny bags. Those I remember a lot. Now, I'm just remembering, because I looked it up, we've talked about tater skins on here before, and they no longer exist. They've kind of turned into... TGI Friday's chips, they are the missing Tato skins, this other article says. So you can still get like a version of Tato skins now, but they're just called TGI Friday's potato skins. Right. And they're normally, I find them, not that I really eat them now in life, but I do find them at airports. You find them at airports. They're like, yeah, yeah they're like always like, an option at the airport now, next to the combos. Let me ask you this. Like you're in a band, big band, you tour a lot. I'm sure you have a tour rider. Do you think you could put potato skins or tato skins on your rider and they would just magically show up? Like, could you put something like that on there? Sure, I could put it on there. I, I haven't, but now that you say that, maybe I will. You know, why not? Why not? Yeah. <laughs> what an incredible move if you put potato skins on your rider and like you showed up backstage and there's just delicious potato skins topped with, as this article says, sour cream, cheese, scallions and bacon. And by the way, this article, I don't know who wrote this article because it's sort of like, but they said potato skin started as a quote. I don't know who they're quoting. <laughs> Faddish fun food entry, and became a ubiquitous dish of the 1980s. They are cheap, and you can load on sour cream, cheese, scallions, and bacon, as I just said. 1982, the boom years of the potato skin crazy. And then it says they started losing their appeal because they weren't exciting for chefs and visually didn't excite people. According to whom? Even though they aren't healthy, this is really interesting for you, Claudio. Even though they aren't healthy, most of the nutrients are found in the skin. Yep. So when your siblings were kind of giving you, you know, like, it's good that you were eating the skin because that's where the nutrients are. So my grandfather would say all the time, eat the skin. I'm like, you got it. (laughs) Delicious. Did you also know that TGIF briefly employed a potato skin mascot that was prone to giving fans the middle finger? (laughs) Oh. Weird. Right on. What? Edgy. How did it even have hands? <laughs> okay. Why was the potato skin TGIF mascot giving fans the middle finger? That seems... I don't know. Yeah. TGIF, like, what a fun concept, but like... Was that the restaurant that was kind of in that movie, that Jennifer Aniston movie, Office Space? Was the place she worked, was that supposed to be based on oh, kind of like TGIF? I don't know. I don't remember. I don't remember. We're like, they were always talking about you need to have more flair and like, right. you have to put all those buttons I think on. it was, it was probably yeah. like a version, if not exactly, of TGI. Yeah. Our producer saying it was a parody of TGI Fridays. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder like if TGI Fridays as an adult was as fun. Because I only remember going there maybe at oldest as a teenager. Just wanted to say one last thing. Lay's has also jumped on the potatoes masquerading as other potato products bandwagon and currently sells bacon cheddar potato skin flavored ruffles. Wow. So that's another Tato Skins kind of sub for anybody who might be interested. Do you find anyone interested in this? <laughs> well, it seems like both of you really have a fondness for Tato Skins, almost more so than Potato Skins. Yeah, I wasn't really as aware, actually, of Potato Skins as a thing. I felt like the Tato Skins I knew about because that commercial was so ubiquitous. Right, Claudio? Yeah, yeah. That I mean, that next to uh, Folgers in Your Cup, it's like Jingles really. So I mean, they sold the product. Sitting there with spiral eyes, watching He-Man and getting the the messages at the end of the episodes. And then all of a sudden it was like, combos. And it's like, oh, I got to get that. Yeah. <laughs> the one that really did it for me were the stovetop stuffing commercials. Oh, there you go. Oh like, those kids <laughs> trying to eat like nine dinners in one night. They're like, our friends so having stovetop. Like, like, it was like, just <gasps> ask your mom to make more so you don't have to keep going to other people's houses and eating stuffing. That's so... stuffing also such an interesting food to like market to kids because it's a food like you really only see at thanksgiving i never think about stuffing like 90 percent of the year yeah yeah it's a strange (laughs) very very strange did either of you ever have the other thing that was on the list next to tater skins the chicken rondelays no what are those exactly i do not know but my mother would make them 
all the time. Like it would be like, oh, we're going to have chicken rondelays for dinner. It was basically a chicken sandwich. But I, before, like, I guess a chicken sandwich became as popular as it has become. But it's just like a, a disc. And I talk to my friends about it all the time. For some reason, I bring it up. And it's just one of those things that just doesn't land because I feel like I might be the only person in the world that ate it. It sounds very fancy. It's not. <laughs> It is not. It's just processed, like, you know, in what looks like a chicken pad, you know, like, you know, puts breading on paste. It's like, you know, like a chicken nugget, basically, but in a sandwich form. Yeah. It sounds delicious. It is. It was actually it does delicious. Sound good. And you can't find them anymore. So, but your mom would make them? Well, you know, like that, put it in the, uh, like, you know, quick stuff you know they were working a lot so it was like it came in like a box at the grocery store or something like in the fr i got it right yeah frozen discs you know kind of like a corn chicken fake chicken thing but right supposed to be real chicken and would you prepare it with like anything else like you serve a plane or what's your <laughs> it just i guess as a sandwich or maybe it? on this as like the meat the like main thing it's just like you put it in the toaster oven and that's it honestly Chicken rondelay sounds awesome. Well, let's find them. <laughs> let's find them. They're so in some freezer somewhere. Real nasty. Yeah, I mean, I do feel like you're right, though, Claudio. Like, the advertising... Like, I think Vanessa talked about how, like, advertisers have, like, laws the way they can market to kids because it's like... Yeah, it felt I like asked my teacher from college who taught children in media about that and she kind of thought I made it up. <laughs> yeah, we're not sure if Vanessa made this up or not, but there are some rules. There are some there rules. There are some now. rules because it's like it's maybe because there were less things to watch and you saw the same commercials over and over more, but mm. it feels like those things are still so seared into our mind. Oh my goodness. Absolutely. Potato skins got big potato appeal because they're made with potatoes. What do you think? Do you think perhaps like a coheed cover of that <laughs> would ever see the light of day? I may have actually said that as banter because I had nothing else to say at one point. So it's probably out there like documented <laughs> oh. as a coheed cover. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh man. I mean, yeah, jingles were so in amazing. At that. Here's a funny story. It's completely unrelated. So anyway, through the pandemic, I purchased uh, on Reverb, I bought this Space Echo uh, RE201 unit, right? But the person that was selling it was on Roosevelt Island. I go over there to pick it up and I start talking with the fella because I noticed on his reverb page, he was selling a bunch of stuff. And I was like, oh, are you like a studio engineer or something? And it turns out he's actually the guy that sang the jingles in the 80s. No way. Like, so we just get, yeah. And he starts singing like, like you know, he's like one of the voices that, you know, if it wasn't Richie Haven singing the Folgers Crystals song, it was this fella. Whoa. Yeah. Like he started singing in the middle of his lobby and I was just like wow you are totally the guy our dad went to Syracuse and then he transferred to BU I, I think when he was at Syracuse college he went with the guy who remember when we were growing up and there'd be like a TV like a kind of longer like commercial kind of like an infomercial for something and at the end it would be like just send your CEO or money or it would be a blue screen oh, right. and it would say yeah. send your like CE like your your money COD. order COD or money it order would say no CODs yeah no CODs send your money or he had like a really weird voice like and, and he'd be like to five 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 four three three hundred that's like that guy our dad knew that guy. He oh, went wow, to that's college amazing. with that guy who did all those voiceovers for those commercials. Isn't it so crazy that he went to college with that guy? <laughs> that is crazy. And I looked up what a COD is. And yeah, what is a COD? No COD. Collect on delivery. So it's like you could order something and then you'd have to pay for it when they brought it to you. That's crazy. Yeah. Of course there's no COD. Right. <laughs> for, the, for those products. Yeah, Claire, can you imagine selling like records to people and being like, just pay for it. We'll, we'll just pay to press yeah. it and ship it to you. And then you can just pay us whenever you get it. Right. Yeah. It's funny. They don't say no CODs anymore because you're like, of course not. Anyway, I repeated myself. Okay. Well, we're going to take a quick commercial break and we'll be right back with Bobby Moynihan. I'm kidding. <laughs> Claudio Sanchez. <laughs> Hacks is back for season three, and so is the official Hacks podcast. In each episode, Hacks creators Lucia Agnello, Paul W. Downs, and Jen Stadsky speak with cast and crew members to unpack the Emmy-winning comedy series. 
you'll hear Hannah Einbinder and Gene Smart speak to their on-screen dynamic, along with Hacks writer and actor Pat Regan, on how their improv experience helped them when shooting scenes and what it was like writing scripts for specific actors. You'll also hear from crew members like the costume designers on what it was like creating the world that Deborah and Ava inhabit. Hear stories from the show's writer's room, on-set antics, and more. Watch Hacks streaming exclusively on Max and listen to the official Hacks podcast on Max or wherever you get your podcasts. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. So we're back. And now we're going to play a game where we bring up nostalgic products, shows, etc. that are making a comeback. And the game is called Yes, Nostalgia. 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 If you're into whatever product, etc. we bring up, you can give it a yes nostalgia. And if you're not into it, you can give it a nostalgia. So first one off, I can kick us off. Sure. Hocus Pocus is getting a reboot. Hocus Pocus 2, it's getting a sequel nearly three decades later. This is, I guess, is a review, said it's a better made film, even if it amounts to a little more than a stealth remake. And it's got Bette Midler, Sarah Jessica Parker, the stars, it seems like, of the original 30 years later. Claudia, what are your thoughts on a, a Hocus Pocus 2? You give that yes nostalgia, nostalgia. What what are you thinking? I'm gonna give it a yes nostalgia. Okay. Because my wife has some sort of history with this movie, whereas I have absolutely no connection to this title at all. Yeah, yeah. I know some people really are fi- find this to be like a classic kind of cult movie. I don't think I've ever seen it, but I do know I do know that. So your wife is a big fan of the original? I mean, yeah, I think I mean she brings it up. You know, it gets brought up around Halloween every once in a while. You know, the Sanders sisters, is that the characters? The Sanders six, right? Uh So that's the only reason I know that is because of her. So Has she ever sat you down and been like, Claudia, tonight we're we're watching Hocus Pocus? You know what? I believe a couple of years ago, she tried to sit myself and our son down for it. And I don't know. I don't don't recall us making it, you know? Yeah, maybe Hocus Pocus 2, you two can can check it out. Let us know what you think. Double feature. Yes, and our producer said it's the Sanderson sisters, I guess. The Colonel Sanders sisters. You were very close. You were very close. 
Especially for someone who's not like a huge fan of it. That's right. pretty close. Yes. Bette Midler, Sarah Jessica Parker, and Kathy Najimy as absolutely fabulous Salem witch sisters. I Now keep in mind, Vanessa's in the business. So, you know, obviously you don't want to alienate anyone because it's like, you well, know. No, no, no. I was going to say, I have a lot of friends who are huge fans of this movie. I, for some reason, like miss this movie and have watched so many parts of it on TV. Like, I don't know that I've ever watched the entire thing all the way through. But I think recently I got closest to starting watching it at the beginning. It was very successful. And I think that sometimes when movies are kind of marketed to like families, like when movies are for families and for kids and they don't talk down to them, like they actually make them have kind of high stakes and are really kind of more intense. They're more successful because they're not just kind of fluff, Mm -hmm. if you will. That's my take as well, whatever. So I think this movie was very successful and that people are really excited about this reboot, if not only because the three women in it are such stars and people Mm. love them so much. So I'm a hundred, yes, nostalgia for it. If they couldn't have gotten one of the three women back, I think it would be tough to watch it. But since they, it sounds like they've got them all back, I'm in. Okay. Right on. Jonah, what do you think? Yeah, I think, you know, obviously everything's kind of getting rebooted these days. I think at first I was very like resistant to this and I was like kind of precious about things. And, you know, it's like, there's this new Quantum Leap. There's a Karate Kid thing. At this point, I'm just like, fine. Like, if if, if mm. people want to watch this and make them happy, that's cool. Maybe it's not for me, but I'm really trying hard not to be that guy that's like you know, it was better before, you can't remake right. it. So right. I don't have any kind of sanctity feelings about this. Sure, why not? Nostalgia. Yeah. People want to see it, go see it. Okay, I've got this next one. This isn't really something that has gone away that's coming back, but it's coming back in a new way. Craft mac and cheese ice cream. You know, we can all remember sitting down for the boxed macaroni and cheese. It's now coming out in the form of a savory ice cream dessert. Surprise, surprise by Brooklyn-based... Creamery Van Leeuwen. Okay, that's a little bit of a burn on them from me for being like so like, uh, you know, look at us. We're we're in Brooklyn and we're being cool. Anyway, isn't this hilarious? Yeah. Can you even believe us? We're so wild. Brooklyn. Peace. Love. What's that's the not exactly again? right. I'm sorry. But Van Leeuwen. Oh, it's Van Leeuwen. Yeah. Sorry. Apparently it was an instant hit selling out within one hour of release on the Van Leeuwen website. Bunch of hipsters. Since then, demand for craft. And I want to say when I said peace and love before, that was hippies. This is more hipsters. Okay. Since then, demand for craft mac and cheese ice cream has grown. As described by Reddit user illathlete4963, the taste is sweet, creamy, high-quality vanilla ice cream mixed with an aggressive amount of Kraft cheese powder. And it has captured the attention and taste buds of many. Kraft mac and cheese ice cream is available at Walmart stores across all 50 states on a 10-week rotation, which could mean that the rollout is for a limited time only. Now, this article came out, I think, almost a year ago, so I'm not sure of the exact status right now of if you can get this Kraft mac and cheese ice cream. Van Leeuwen offers a lot of other unique flavors for hips like pizza, hot honey, and bourbon cherries jubilee. So there you go. What do you guys think? I'm not fucking Claudio, with it. Judging by the faces you've been making, I'm <laughs> guessing you're not a fan of yeah, this Yeah, I'm not fucking with that. It's just something about, sure, I'll make it for my son. And yeah, why not? That's a nostal- nostalgic like food item that will teleport me back to 1984. But in ice cream, it's just not something I can get down with. It's like, you know, I think I might put a jar of Hellman's in the freezer and eat that first. Okay. Mm-hmm. No, that was just disgusting. I'm sorry. I would not do that. <laughs> <laughs> so you like ice cream. You like mac and cheese. You don't like them, the combo. Yeah, I don't necessarily think that. Well, uh, you know, w- when Vanessa was describing it, you know, I hear vanilla ice cream and I was curious, like, oh, well, how do you implement the craft mac? And to hear just cheese powder, the cheese powder. Yeah. I don't want to mess with that cheese, just the cheese powder at all. So is it like right. chunks of it in a cookie dough fashion? Right. You know, I'd have to say nostalgia. Fair enough. I knew about this because someone I follow on Twitter, I can't remember who it is, posted like a photo of it. So it's still around. This is like a couple months ago. And I looked into it and I don't go to Walmart a lot, but, you know, I live in a rural area. We have a Walmart. I go once in a while. I was looking for it and I think it would have been tough if they had it. I'm, I don't 
know if I would have got it. Like, part right. of me int- just wants to try it. Yeah. Part of me also thinks, like, doing an exclusive flavor with Walmart for, like, this Brooklyn, like, right. artisan ice cream thing is, like, like the right. whole... Something about the whole, like, vibe of the promotion with craft seems kind of weird. I think it's something I would try, but I don't think it's something that we really need. And I think it's definitely not worth going to Walmart to get just a specific kind of ice cream. So it just seems like a lot, a lot of effort for something that I'm going to guess not a lot of payoff, to be honest. Mm -hmm. Well, it sounds like there has been a lot of payoff because it was, it sold out pretty quickly, but I don't know. Yeah, payoff for for Walmart and Van Leeuwen. They're laughing all the way to the bank. I'm saying payoff for me as the customer who's eating this ice cream that's like, uh, this tastes like weird cheese flavored ice cream. No thanks. Sure, sure. But I guess I need to try it to actually know. So maybe they should just send us some. Well, maybe they should. I mean, it looks like our producer, Olivia, said it's still available. It's available now on the Van Leeuwen site. You can still buy it. Okay. You know, I'm mixed on this. I will say Jenny's Ice Cream sent me some ice cream uh, a few months ago, which was very nice of them. And they sent me... They're like everything bagel. Everything bagel ice cream. Yeah. It was like everything bagel and cream cheese or something. I can't remember exactly the flavor, but it was something like that. And I was so like, oh, this is going to be gross because it had like garlic powder in it and stuff, you know, like, and it was actually really good. My problem with ice creams like that is like, I just don't know when you're supposed to eat them because they don't really taste like dessert even though they're very creamy they like are so savory that they don't like sometimes i have like kind of a sweet tooth after dinner or something but i don't know that i would the first thing i would reach out for would be craft mac and cheese ice cream mm. but i am curious i'm curious about it i asked olivia how much does it cost because i was like it's probably really expensive it's 12 dollars for 14 ounces which i don't know how many ounces are in a pint i, I think it's a normal container I don't, I don't i won't go higher than 10 bucks for a pint of ice cream 16 16 ounces in a pint. Yeah, that's a lot. That's a lot. Even for Van Leeuwen, I think. So this is even less than a pint and it's $12. So I don't know. It it feels and as you were saying, Claudio, like I can't tell if they mean like it tastes like the cheese powder or if there's actual like bits of the cheese powder in it. I mean, it's probably little noodles in it. (laughs) Yeah. Let's see. We we just got a link for it. I'm gonna give this doesn't have noodles. Okay. It doesn't have noodles. Okay. I'm going to give this a nostalgia too, just because I just feel like you're making people pay kind of a lot of money for something that they might be totally grossed out by. Right. Yeah. And this is like also like the most corporate ice cream ever. I mean, this is like a craft Walmart. I mean, it's like, you know, go down. Get, uh, get some, as someone some... who's uh, not friendly towards CEOs, this is not the ice cream for Jonah. No, I've been I've been really enjoying the Oatly ice cream. Oh, I get it. It's on sale. Four bucks a pint. Oat milk. Give me some of that, you know, coffee ice cream. I mean, that's that's all sure. I need. I don't need this this fancy uh, macaroni and cheese or ravioli or you know <laughs> whatever kind of ice creams are rolling out. These I'll days. take Let's... chocolate or vanilla, please. <laughs> right? Yeah, exactly. That's a round of nostalgias. Our last one is Claudio. Actually, this one you might you might have an interesting opinion on. This one doesn't really apply to me so much, but it's scrunchies. Mm-hmm. Scrunchy like hair scrunchies. Yes. Hair scrunchies. I guess there's a Carrie Bradshaw that's from Sex in the City. She apparently killed the scrunchie for a decade after saying, I'm guessing on the show, she said yes. no woman would be caught dead at a hip downtown restaurant wearing a scrunchie. And this article says now they are treated as a fashion trend. And this is from The Guardian. It says, quote, people love matching scrunchies to their outfits. Big designer brands are producing them and they are used for hair health and better hair growth. Claudio, as someone who, you know, has a lot of hair, what are your thoughts on scrunchies? Have you ever rocked a scrunchie on stage? Do you do, what do you think about the comeback of the scrunchies? What what's going on? Well, I mean, scrunchie makes this thing. Okay. What is it? This is a scrunchie, but this is a scrunchie hair tie. Well, I just want to say, I think we're not talking as much about the brand scrunchie as actual scrunchies. So does a scrunchie... So here's the thing is, this will pull the hell out of my hair. Yeah. Okay. You know, but I need to use it because, you know, there's just so much of it and it gets in the way and it's it's like, I can't work with my hair out, right? Only on really rocking it on stage i guess but um a scrunchie is it like almost like loofah texture like it like kind of flowery looking yeah i'm trying to find a link to scrunchies like what's what claudio has right now is kind of more like a thick kind of rubber bandy type 
Yeah, it's basically a rubber band. Basically a rubber band. They're talking about, yes, these more colorful, like, yeah, I guess I would say like loofah, like fabric-y looking, bigger. A lot of times they're made of a satin, of a cotton. Of They're made of all different materials. There's a link in the... Oh, there is? There's Yes, in the chat, Claudia, if you want. A scrunchie, it's sort of like, it's like a hair band, but it has like a bunch of fabric loosely kind of scrunched around it. And they were very, very big in like the 80s and 90s. And honestly, Claudio, I think for the reasons that you've just been mentioning, you might want to invest in one. (laughs) I think because they won't pull your hair and they're kind of soft and they were a big fashion thing. Like in, I kind of feel like a lot of people wore them in like John Hughes movies and stuff like that. They were such a big trend for women and girls because they would hold your hair back. But, you know, they were also very visible because of the different patterns and materials and colors they came in. So, I mean, you probably don't even have to ask me. It's probably pretty obvious where I stand on this. And I'm 100% give this a yes, Stalja. I think this is a great comeback. Healthy for your hair. They're so fun. A lot of times people will sometimes match their scrunchie to their outfit. Or like if you were lucky enough to have a parent who sewed, maybe they would make you a dress and with the extra material make you a scrunchie. Okay. Or if you were taking sewing classes at Joanne Fabrics like I did for a few years, like you could maybe make a scrunchie. Did you ever make any scrunchies? No, I made a vest and a backpack, but I'm like, why didn't I make a scrunchie? It's possible. It's possible I made one. I I would think they would be harder to sew actually than you would think because... you got to get the elastic part. Yeah. So I have no idea how you make one. Uh, Claudio, so what do you think? You giving this a yes-stalgia or no-stalgia? Yes. Yes Yes-stalgia. I'm going to buy them right when we get You're going to get some right. Yeah. Yeah. There's 40 pieces of hair scrunchies for $13.99? Oh my gosh. Do they take COD? This is incredible. (laughs) 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 I wonder if they do take COD. Claudia, I'm picturing you like next week, just kicking back. Scrunched. Eating some Kraft mac and cheese ice cream with with an orange scrunchie in your hair. Yeah. Matching the the ice cream and just having the time of your life. Right. Also, I feel like people are going to go to Coheed and Cambria shows and be like, what color scrunchie will Claudio have on this city? We're going to keywork pattern the hell out of a bunch of colored scrunchies. Oh my gosh. They're going to be sold right at the... Right at the merch table. Yeah, exactly. Coheed and Camry scrunchies. That feels like it tracks. Right. And a little bundle with like a Coheed like brush with like, you know, the yeah. keywork and dragonfly on it with matching scrunchies. You know, sky's the limit. Oh my God. Sky's the Sounds limit. <laughs> now, Jonah, what do you think? A yes or a nostalgia for you? Yeah, you know, this is kind of similar to me to the Hocus Pocus one. Not something that really directly is going to affect my life, I think, a lot. But again, I'm trying to be, you know, not super negative about stuff. So, uh, sure. Like, yeah, I think it's fine. I think if people get enjoyment out of it, that's great. I don't have a lot of hair, so I don't think I could actually use one unless I could use it as maybe like a like a headband. Right. right on. <laughs> exactly. And so maybe I'll try that. If they come up with some type of mustache scrunchie, maybe I could look into that as well. But uh, sure, I'll give it a yes to Aljo because why not? And you know who could use a scrunchie? Who's that? Sebastian Junior Vidal. Yes, Picasso's buddy. That guy could rock the scrunchie. For yeah, sure. his hair is kind of how your hair used to look. Yes. Well, Claudio, thanks so much for kind of indulging us. I I want to say personally, Claudio, I feel like I've asked you to do many interviews and podcasts and stuff over the years. You're always such a good sport and I appreciate you participating. It's always so great to, to catch up with you. Where can people find you? What's going on? Anything you can promote? Anything like that? Yeah. So, you know, all the socials are Claudio P. Sanchez. That's pretty much it. Twitter, Instagram, of course, Coheed and Cambria. I mean, really, all you have to do is put in Coheed and everything comes up. Same thing with the Twitch channel, Claudio P. Sanchez. P for Paul. Love. P for Paul. But I do have a new comic coming out at the end of the year, December 14th. It's uh, called My Brother's Blood Machine. It's it's a horror comic. It's kind of based on this uh, solo project I did years ago called The Prize Fighter Inferno. It's like a collection of like creations I'd made on like cassette four tracks when I was younger. And I sort of put it into a record uh, however many years ago. And I translated it in, into a comic. And so that comes out on December 14th. And it's you know, cool. It's just a horror story about a young girl that tries to escape her abusive home, but stumbles upon two brothers who who have been abandoned and uh, think that by, you know, severing the connection between their soul and the body and giving it to God means that maybe they'll, God will correct their sort of form. But that's about it. Sorry, I'm awful at like pitching anything. So no, no that sounds great. Yeah. Well, right on. So where can people find that? There's just, just, yeah. Evil in comics. 
That's uh, my imprint. It's actually the first, you know, we've, we've in the past with all of the other titles, we've partnered with Boom Studios as the like publisher. So it was always like a split venture, but this is the first time we're sort of branching out on our own. So Evil Link is my imprint. And, um, you know, you can find them at comic shops or online, you know, there'll be variant covers here and there, you know, all depending on who is sort of uh, distributing it. But um, my brother's blood machine. Great. All right. So yeah, everyone definitely... Make sure that you you check that out. Oh, that sounds so cool. Oh, and I forgot, Coheed has a new record. That too. Oh, right. Oh, great. Yeah, Vaxis too. A window of the waking mind. So, and yeah, and that's available wherever you get music, right? Right, absolutely. All your DSPs and get them on your DSPs. <laughs> and, but no CODs. Go ahead, Joe. Uh, no does COD. not accept CODs. No yeah. CODs. Yeah. Oh, you were going to say the same thing. <laughs> I was going to say the same thing. Yeah, you, you buy it. Up front, then you get it, like everything else. Anyways, uh, <laughs> that was really fun. Thanks so much to Claudio for joining us and for everyone for listening. If you enjoyed that, please subscribe to the podcast and keep an eye out for next week's episode of How Did We Get Weird, where we will discuss more stories from our childhood and cultural touchstones like potato skins <laughs> or like jingles or, or you know, TGI Fridays. TGI Fridays. Chips. Weaver's chicken rondelays. Rondelays. <laughs> or rondelays. Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350 plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote.